Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Election College, episode number 283, Calvin Coolidge, part one. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, we have talked about Mr. Calvin Coolidge many times in the past, but we've never given him his own episodes. And that is exactly what we're here for. We're going to at least start this one off. And, you know, this is just a little trivia, or not trivia, really. Jason and I are in the same room. We're, we haven't been in the same room recording podcasts in a long time. Yeah, I'm on a, in the middle, or on the home stretch of an epic trip where I drove from the Cincinnati area to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Now I'm in Butler. And it's been within a 24-hour span. So I'm, I'm kind of tired. I might say some weird stuff, and I might ramble. So, Ben, you can just slap me. I always say weird stuff when I ramble, so I should probably be getting slapped every episode. Does anybody ever have, like, a rambling session where all of the words are coherent and are valuable? I don't think so. Well, this is going to be different, (laughs) this episode. (laughs) This is going to be the most valuable rant. Well, it's not a rant. It's a ramble, which is, there's a difference. I'm not angry. That's right. So Calvin Coolidge, or uh, actually his name is John Calvin Coolidge Jr., was born in Plymouth Notch, Windsor County, Vermont. Uh, He was actually born on Independence Day. And we've had some presidents be, well, die on presidents or on Independence Day before, but never any born on Independence Day. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's like the, uh, I was going to say original, but he's the only Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, that's true. Born on the 4th of July. Yeah, yeah, you got it. So he is the oldest of two kids. And uh, his dad, of course, you would think that since uh, Calvin is a junior, his dad, John Calvin Coolidge Sr., uh, was the name of his dad. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and his mom, uh, her name was Victoria. Uh, and they were pretty well known up in Vermont. Uh, John Sr. was a uh, member of the Vermont House of Representatives. He also served as a state senator. And his mom was the daughter of a farmer. And she was not very well. She ended up passing away when Calvin was 12 years old. Uh, She died of tuberculosis. And his sister, Abigail, passed away at the age of 15 probably from appendicitis. So, wow. You talk about a home filled with tragedy. That's that's very sad. On the other hand, his father, uh, who we talked about a minute ago, married a school teacher, and he actually lived to the age of 80. So, nice long life there. Um, they had a, you know, a lot of 
roots and background. They were a family from uh, England from way back, and they settled settled in uh, Massachusetts when they came in. So um, definitely had some military backgrounds there in the Revolutionary War, and, uh, you know, kind of a proud heritage, I guess you could say at the time. So Calvin uh, attends the Black River Academy and then St. Johnsbury Academy um, before going to Amherst, and he was known as a pretty good debater. He finishes his schooling at Amherst, and his dad is like, hey, Cal, you need to go to Northampton, Massachusetts and become a lawyer because someday you're going to become the president and, you know, you need to be a lawyer to do that. And Calvin is like, okay, that sounds good, but I don't want to pay for law school, so I'm going to do an apprenticeship. And that's what he does. He goes to a local law firm called Hammond and Field and reads law with them. And uh, both uh, John Hammond and Henry Field were Amherst graduates. So they're like, yeah, this guy, he's this whippersnapper, he's going to do a good job uh, doing the law thing. And Coolidge does this. He becomes a country lawyer and he opens up his own law office eventually in Northampton. And he practices commercial law because he's like, I don't really care about courtroom stuff. I want to uh, do more of the corporate stuff. So that's exactly what he does. And he builds a nice reputation. He's hardworking, he's diligent, and banks and other corporate entities are like, yeah, let's hire Cal because he's going to do a great job. So in 1903, Calvin Coolidge meets Grace and Goodhue. And Grace is a graduate from the University of Vermont, which even in the early 1900s, it's still not terribly common for women to be college graduates, so that's pretty cool. And she's a teacher at Northampton's Clark School for the Deaf. Uh, so they get married in 1905, pretty much just in Grace's family's house, and Grace's mother was like, I don't really think you guys should get married yet. Could we please postpone this? Um, I don't really like Calvin Coolidge that much. He's not a great guy, and He's like, yeah, I don't really like you either, so why don't we just go ahead and forget you ever said anything. Um, so Calvin and Grace go on a honeymoon to Montreal, but they end up cutting it short. He really cares about her. He loves her. Uh, after 25 years of them being married, he even had said, for almost a quarter of a century, she has borne with my infirmities, and I have rejoiced in her graces. So definitely a loving relationship there. Uh, they had a couple kids, uh, but one of their, their sons, um, Calvin Jr., uh, dies at age 16. And um, kind of a tragic death where he'd had a blister, gets infected, and, you know, those things are never fun. Yeah, we'll talk about that more in the next episode because that has a profound effect on his presidency. Um, but back in the 1890s, uh, the Republican Party, they're kind of a big deal in New England, right? Everybody's a Republican except if you're not <laughs> that was very profound that was so profound how'd you like that so coolidge uh goes ahead and he's like hey i'm a republican that's a cool thing to be in the 1890s in new england so i'm gonna start running for office and i'm gonna start campaigning for republican politicians and that's exactly what he does he goes around campaigning for the presidential candidate who was william mckinley 
And then in 1897, he is selected to be a member of the Republican City Committee. And he does that. He is elected to the Northampton City Council in 1898. And he's not earning any money doing this, but, you know, he's building a name, getting the reputation built. And he decides the next year to not run again for city council. Instead, he runs for city solicitor. And he does that. He moves his way up the ranks. The clerk of courts uh, passes away in 1902, and Coolidge is chosen to replace him. So he is climbing that golden ladder of local politics when he realizes, hey, I really liked doing the lawyer thing. I want to go back to that. <laughs> so that's exactly what he does. He um, loses uh, an election to, to the Northampton School Board in 1904, but he's like, hey, that's cool. Yeah, and a lot of people would criticize him for not having kids, and he's like, come on, give me time. I, I, I want to have kids. I just don't have them yet. So, But they're like, how can you be on the school board if you don't have kids? And he's like, because I can. <laughs> <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So in 1906, Coolidge gets uh, nominated for the Republican Committee's choice for House of Representatives for the state. And he beats the incumbent and heads up to Boston for the 1907 session. He serves on some, you know, minor committees and stuff like that, but he's kind of known as a progressive Republican. Uh, he votes most of the time party line, but, you know, there's things like women's suffrage and whenever they change things around to directly affect, uh, directly elect senators, uh, he voted more of a progressive stance on those. Yeah, so he's um, really advocating for increasing teachers' salaries and getting rid of some of uh, city debt. And, you know, in the midst of all of this, hey, let's cut some taxes. In 1911, the state senator for the Hampshire County area retires. And he's like, hey, Calvin, you need to run for my seat. He does this. He wins by a very large margin. And... It's during this time that he becomes the chairman of a committee to arbitrate the bread and roses strike um, from the workers of the American Woolen Company uh, there in Lawrence, Massachusetts. He's doing that, and what happens is he begins building a reputation for 
being somebody who can like break strikes and stuff like that. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but he is advocating for women's suffrage. He uh, wins another term um, as a state senator, and he delivers a series of speeches, and these are published. He's giving all these speeches, and they're writing them down, because that's what you do with speeches, right? Are speeches written down before you give them? Well, I think sometimes they're scripted. And then sometimes they're improv Right. Kind of like us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they write them down and, and publish them. And that's what happens. Uh, he has this one speech called Have Faith in Massachusetts. And that becomes kind of his treatise of government, like his philosophy of what government should be like. So pretty soon, Coolidge decides he wants to run for lieutenant governor. And he goes into the primary election. He gets nominated to run alongside Samuel McCall, who's running for governor. And Coolidge gets more votes in the Republican primary than anybody else. And he's kind of the... We talked about him being a little more progressive in certain areas. He's kind of the balance that the ticket needs in order to get some of those more moderate folks as well. So they win the election. Uh, They get one-year terms. And Coolidge is like, hey, I just beat a guy by over 50,000 votes. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, The lieutenant governor in Massachusetts is a little different than it is in a lot of places. Uh, They don't uh, preside over the state Senate, kind of like the vice president does in the United States Senate. But Coolidge um, basically is like vice governor, you know, deputy governor. Uh, He has a lot of influence with the governor. Uh, He's the chairman of a couple different committees. And during this time, he is, you know, he's busy. He's an elected official. So he quits being uh, in law. He quits practicing law in 1916. And he gets reelected the next year, but says whenever McCall decides not to run again, hey, I'm running for governor. I've got a little bit of practice at this. I think I can, I think I can take it. And being governor of a large state, but, you know, population-wise, not land-wise, of Massachusetts. I could have just said that, but I'm rambling today. (laughs) Being the governor of Massachusetts, you know, it comes with its perks, right? Like, all the police officers in Boston decide to go on strike. What do you do? Like, that's kind of a big deal. A little bit. You know, all of the mob and gangs and people like that, the lawless folks, they move in and it creates all kind of havoc in, it creates all kinds of havoc in Beantown. And you like how I did that Beantown? I like that. That was was a slang. Give it some, uh, some class there, some character. Yeah. So the police, they're on strike and Silent Cal isn't so silent. He says, dudes and dudettes, you need to get back to work. And if not, you're fired. And that's exactly what happens. He fires everybody, brings in the National Guard, of course. And this is what Calvin Coolidge is really known for. He's known for breaking the police strike in 1919. Reminds me of when uh, Reagan fired all the air traffic controllers. Yeah. That was kind of a tough time <laughs> for, for them. But, you know, all those jobs are coming open right now. Yeah, and so the philosophy behind that isn't necessarily... Because Coolidge kind of had this thing where unions 
weren't such a bad deal, right? You can strike, but if it's in the public interest and if it causes there to be harm done to the citizenry, Cal is like, nope, can't do that. Yeah, in my city, the the like administrative folks and the people who, you know, like do the parks and stuff like that, they can strike, but the people in the police and fire departments can't strike. They're not allowed to strike just because of the public safety issue. Wow. Yeah. So makes I, sense to me. Yeah, I think so. So Coolidge gets renominated for his office in 1919. Pretty much everybody is a huge fan of the whole breaking the police strike thing. And he wins by an even larger margin of victory. He defeats his opponent by 125,000 votes, which is more than seven times the amount of votes he won by the year before. And he gets inaugurated back into that seat on January 2nd, 1919. The First World War has ended. People are thinking he might run for president in 1920. He's given out bonuses to the Massachusetts veterans. He's making it so that women and children don't have to work as long in order to, uh, to get a decent wage. Um, and by that, I mean, they had to go from like 54 hours to 48 a week instead, keeps the taxes the same, trims a bunch of expenses that they have, just starts driving down on debt. I mean, this guy is on fire at this point. And he's showing himself to be a very active governor on the veto <laughs> aspect of his job. He prevents an increase in legislators pay. He's like, no. You want to raise your pay by 50%? I don't think so. And then he says that he's opposed to prohibition, but he does not allow a bill that would have allowed the sale of beer or wine uh, that was 2.75% alcohol or less because, well, the 18th Amendment was in effect, which allowed prohibition. So he's all about, well, my personal view is going to be superseded by what the law says. And in his veto message, he says it quite short. He says, against it, they are... Oh. And in his veto message, he says, quote, opinions and instructions do not outmatch the Constitution. Against it, they are void. So that's the first part of Calvin Coolidge's life. Oh my goodness. It's going to be so much fun talking about his presidency. Yeah, I mean, excited. we might get into his vice presidency first, but it's coming. You know Whoa. it's coming. You you probably know the vice presidency thing is coming just because of the, if you've listened to the previous episodes on this show. But yeah, Calvin Coolidge is an interesting guy, and I'm sure we'll get a lot of traction out of talking about him. We also get a lot of traction out of you leaving reviews and ratings over on iTunes. That's like a huge deal for us. I don't know if you realize it. We, we've probably never mentioned it before that's really huge. Yeah, believe it or not, that affects how much goes into the podcast. If a lot of you have noticed, some of you haven't noticed that we only record one podcast a week right now. And uh, if we have enough reviews that I guess along and say, hey, we record two again, we'd appreciate it. Well, we might do that. You never know. Yeah. And if you want to help out the show, you can go to electioncollege.com slash Amazon. Anything you purchase on Amazon will be the same price, but you won't pay a penny more for, for it is what I'm saying. But we'll get a small percentage of it. 
and that's helpful to the show and to us. Yeah, and don't forget, <laughs> while you're doing all of this interacting and reviewing and uh, buying on this wonderful thing called the internet, you can join our Facebook group. It's a closed group, but you know, after answering a few questions, just so we know you're not a scammer, um, you can come in, interact with everybody. Man, there are some really cool people who listen to this podcast. It's mainly driven by you all, because let's face it, you hear us every week. We want you to have your own opportunity to speak into the lives of your fellow listeners. So you can do that by going to electioncollege.com slash group, and we'll let you in. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>